Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Week one of college football still rolling on, but I am pleased to be joined by my next guest, a national writer for CBS Sports College Football and the director of scouting for 24-7 Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. Barton Simmons is my guest. Barton, thanks for the time, man. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. What's been your top takeaway so far from week one? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I think probably, uh, interestingly enough, my top takeaway has been just the disappointment of year two coaches. Uh, I mean, kind of across the board, if you were just baking in sort of a um, a, a bump and a, 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 a sort of advanced improvements, from year one to year two with some of these sort of big-name coaches, you just didn't get it in week one, whether that was Chip Kelly uh, at UCLA who lost to Cincinnati, whether it was Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee who lost to Georgia State, Scott Frost at Nebraska who uh, wasn't able to really put up much of uh, offensive production against South Alabama. Um, there, there was just a bunch of these coaches that, uh, you know, we were really looking for – improvement out of and we just didn't get it in week one uh and it wasn't just a handful of them it was almost all of them so uh to me uh you know that that was sort of there was a lot of disappointing even in some wins you know that we just saw some disappointment in week one and and uh, we'll see how much of that is real and how much of that is just kind of shaking the rust off early in the season what the heck happened to tennessee <laughs> uh it, it's I don't know. I mean, I was I was actually watching that game, sort of rewatching it tonight, uh, because as it was going on, you know, I wasn't paying much attention. I just assumed Tennessee would get it figured out, uh, and they just never did. And I and, and I, I really do think that there was an element of they were just, you know, BYU's on the horizon. I think they're taking that game very seriously. They figured to get through this Georgia State game, and uh, you know, and 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 we'll be all right. And uh, I don't think Tennessee's a point yet where they can overlook anybody. Clearly, they're not. And there was miscommunication. There was just fundamental uh, alignment issues on defense. There was, I mean, they're playing a lot of young guys. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give them that, that there's going to be some growing pains. But there's no excuse. I mean, there really isn't any excuse that uh, should allow for a Tennessee team to lose to a Georgia State team, much less a Georgia State team that just came off a 2-10 and season. So, uh, not not a good look uh, at, by any stretch for uh, for Jerry Pruitt and for Tennessee. Barton Simmons, national college football writer for CBS Sports, is our guest. If you talk about the disappointment of year two coaches, no disappointment for Oklahoma fans with Lincoln Riley. 
He gets a Heisman for Baker Mayfield, a Heisman for Kyler Murray, and then he gets Jalen Hurts in there for a transfer, and they're like at 600-something yards of offense or whatever it ended up being. Um, Is he the best offensive coach in the country? Yeah, he may be the best offensive coach in in the world in, you know, in football, NFL, college, whatever. I mean, he's just – uh, he's got it figured out. I mean, there, there's a there's a rhythm to a Lincoln Riley offense that is is really, I think, pretty special. Um, he 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 has a great feel. Uh, he has a great um, understanding and 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 system that allows for uh, like every play has such a, um, a perfect complement and and counter uh, that that he can throw at defenses and. Uh, he's done a great job of of catering to to the strengths of his quarterbacks. I mean, every every quarterback has looked a little different tonight with Jalen Hurts. I mean, we saw a lot of quarterback power just you know using Jalen Hurts, getting downhill um, and and using that athleticism. And I think uh, so many people seem to think this was just going to be you know Jalen Hurts chucking around the yard and and uh, had had skepticism he could do it. But I think he, he proved a that uh, you know first of all he's going to cater his offense to the strengths and b it does, you know Jalen Hurts can throw it as well and so uh, this is going to be look if you're the smart money I mean if if you're really you know trying to win this thing in terms of making a bet on a, on a Heisman Trophy winner why wouldn't you just pick Jalen Hurts and say Lincoln Riley's done it the last two times you know this, this guy's certainly capable again I mean tonight was a great example. Uh, just putting up uh, ungodly production and, and his first showing and first uh, first day in the office. Do you mean that when you say best offensive mind in all of football? Like you're you're taking Lincoln Riley over Andy Reid and Sean McVay and the best of the best in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I I think it's worth the conversation. Um, no, I probably wouldn't. But but those guys. They have proven it on the highest level. I think if Lincoln Riley were to get an NFL job, and that's going to come, like it will come someday. Uh, it's just a matter of whenever he's ready to to ch- take that next step and challenge himself uh, in, in that next uh, that next evolution of his career. Um, I think when that time comes, uh, it's going to be really interesting, and I and, and I'm not going to be surprised at all if. Uh, if he is right there with those guys, because I think, I mean, what he's done as quickly as he's done it as, uh, and and I think bringing sort of a power football element to this wide open air raid sort of system has totally differentiated what Oklahoma does with, with, with some of these other spread uh, systems and for him to sort of add that physicality to it. And again, I think for him to add the little wrinkles that, uh, I mean, it, it seems like every play, you know, has a double move in it. Every every pass has a has a big play element. Um, there, there's just so many ways they're able to put the defenses in a bind. And so, uh, so uh, yeah, I think realistically, am I ready to put them over those guys you mentioned? Probably not yet, but I I, I think it's a real conversation you can have, and I think it's why NFL teams are are so intrigued by him, and 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 why. I think whenever he's ready, he's going to get uh, a really elite NFL job. Barton Simmons is our guest, CBS Sports college football writer, 24-7 scouting director as well. 
Barton, I love college football, and my wife went to Clemson, and we've been together about six years, so I've watched every uh, Clemson game for the last six years. It's been a good time to uh, jump on board with that program, but I've got to be honest, when I watch, and we've gone to a couple of the championship and playoff games, it's... I feel like I am watching a team that basically has no equal, and obviously Bama is closest. Do you think this is a sport that suffers from its lack of parity? No, I, well, I think that's what makes college football unique is unlike, say, the NFL or professional sports in general, um, you can really find meaning and and find satisfaction in a season, even if you're not contending for the highest prize. Um, you you know, it, it can be about beating a rival. It can be about spoiling someone else's season, winning a division, getting to a bowl game, whatever that metric is, sort of wherever that bar is for your program, there, there's, there's, there's reason to stay engaged, I think. And so I, and, and, you know, I just, I think that what Alabama and Clemson have done is 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 raise the bar um they've challenged other people to keep pace and so i think that there is among kind of the national championship contenders there's a really elite few and i think the the gap has widened from that elite group to the to the next year um and 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 i think what we're and and that's okay with me because i think we're still seeing you know when those games happen you know when georgia plays Oklahoma in the uh, in the college football playoffs when Alabama plays Georgia in the SEC championship game, um, you know when when Clemson plays Ohio State, like those games I think are still uh, they're awesome and they play at such a high level with such elite talent and that's I think that's fun um, and then you can still get the uh, you know whatever your team is kind of get the, the the season grind of of, of that and, and i think it's still fun and enjoyable so I, i'm good with it in fact i think we're going to look back in in 15 years and, or 20 years or whenever that time comes and say man holy cow like we we, we experienced the clemson alabama rivalry uh what a time to to be watching college football see i i love it too at the highest level because the programs are remarkable, but I also think that I'm biased because I have some rooting interest there. And you're right. Like if you're a perennial six win program and then you win eight or nine games, you can say you had a great year or you beat a rival or you win a division. But I wonder how many programs this year legitimately think they have a chance to win a national championship. Because to me, it's what two, maybe three. I think it's more than that, but I mean, it's not a big number. It's uh, to me, it's about five or six. Um, so and, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma. You think Ohio, you think Ohio State thinks they legitimately have a shot to win a title? I, I, I think Ohio State does. I think LSU does. Um, and I mean, there's there's plenty of I think there's plenty of others that that are have convinced themselves they do. Whether they realistically do, I don't know. But I think that's sort of the, the group right there. And you can maybe throw like a Michigan in there, though I'm not a believer in Michigan. Um, uh, and that's about it. Um, and so we're calling that, what, five or six teams? And with those five or six teams, like I, one of my things is, it, I mean, we you, you always want to experience greatness, right? Like, I mean, everyone's happy when Tiger Woods is playing well. Uh, you know, everyone's, 
it, it harkens back to the Jordan era in the NBA when, when he would just dominate with the Bulls. I mean, the, experiencing greatness is fun. And so for me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, what Nick Saban is doing right now, what Dabo Sweeney is doing, or is doing right now is remarkable. And this, this is really fun to watch two of the best uh, in, I mean, in football uh, accomplishing what they're accomplishing uh, on a yearly basis and, and how are they doing it and how are they evolving and how are they, you know, what's the chess moves from a recruiting standpoint? What's the, you know, how, like Alabama's sitting there starting two true freshmen inside linebackers right now and a true freshman knows. Um, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal that they can figure out a way uh, to to plug and play like that, uh, and they have good. You know, so I just think it's there, there's there's games within the game that are fun to follow, and I think this year um, because those teams have ri- have raised the bar, I think Alabama is about to be challenged like they haven't before with LSU and with Georgia, um, and Clemson's not going to get quite the test, but uh, when the playoffs come, I think whoever they face, because of the way they force other teams to pick up the pace. Uh, I think this this year's playoff is going to be uh, some four or four really competitive football teams. I hope you're right because I do think that the sport suffers a little bit from that small of a number because also it's geographical to me. Last year was a great example of it. You got you got Clemson and Bama in the title game, but the title game location was predetermined to be you know Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and it wasn't an expensive ticket. Because Clemson fans had been there and Bama fans had been there and it was really damn far and expensive for them to go. And you look at these recruiting rankings and you know it better than I do. All like the Southeast is dominating. It's not the SEC, but Clemson, Bama, Georgia are getting all of the top kids. Like where, why is, uh, you know, Clemson just got their first recruit since 1991 from the state of California. Like where is Texas? Where is USC? Where where is a northern school with a number one recruiting class or a West Coast school with a number one recruiting class to spread out some of this talent? Because you can't force kids to go to different schools. But I got to be honest with you, man. Like, I don't see this changing anytime soon. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're getting at something. And Texas is. I mean, Texas had I think the number four recruiting class this year. So Tom Herman was the right hire finally for Texas, and they're they're. They are back in the sense that I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, they're back to being a, a legitimate contender with Oklahoma in the Big 12. They're going to soon be a legitimate perennial playoff contender. I, I believe that. I mean, I don't think they're in, in that five or six teams I mentioned this year, but I think that they're, 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 they're trending in the right direction from a talent standpoint. But that's kind of what it's all about. Is In order to be one of those five or six teams, in order to be in that national title tier in college football, there really is a barrier of entry for a lot of programs. You really have to be one of the blue bloods. And so part of the problem right now is that a few of the blue bloods are down Um, in particular, you know, out West. I mean, if we saw the, the the big 12 be kind of get, got maligned uh, a few years back uh, because they, they just, you know, they were sort of the the conference that was the punching bag for everybody. And the, and the bottom line is, I mean, it was, the conference was strong. It's just Texas was down. And Oklahoma wasn't what Oklahoma is right now. Right now, the Pac-12 is down because USC is down and UCLA is, is down. When USC gets a good hire, and they haven't had one in a few years, if they get a home run hire this next time around, and i got a feeling it's going to happen this year, then just like that, 
it's going to be a lot tougher for Clemson to go get a quarterback out of Southern California. It's going to be a, you're going to have a program that can bring in the talent to compete with those teams. So there, it's just cyclical. And right now, it's a bad time for, to be a couple of those powerhouse West Coast, or a bad time to be Pac-12 because of those powerhouse uh, Pac-12 teams are, are just down and have made bad coaching hires. And so I think that's the next step is just making great hires. Clemson made a great one. Alabama made a great one. A few others have. Um, but that's that's the name of the game. You have to have one of the elite coaches in college football to contend for national titles on a regular basis. Barton Simmons, 24-7, and CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. I enjoyed it, man. Thank you for the time. Yeah, I had fun. Appreciate it. 855-212-4227 is the number. I'm curious. Diehard college football fans, are you liking the sport more because of the dynasties? or less because of the lack of parity. I want to hear from you on this because this sport to me, there are three teams this year that legitimately can talk themselves into having a shot at winning the national title, Clemson, Bama, and a little Georgia. Barton Simmons says Ohio state and LSU and Oklahoma as well. So call it six. I don't think it's six, but if you want, call it six. I think it's three, two and a half or three. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the sport of college football? We weigh in next. Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show, and CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So... I always say that in media, we all have biases. The people who admit the biases to you are the ones you can trust. And I will admit that I have a bias towards Clemson football. My little sister went there. My wife went there. They didn't go there at the same time. But I've been exposed to the program for a while. And it's really the only team in sports that my wife cares about. So we watch every game. Got the free Hulu TV trial for the ACC network to watch them beat Georgia Tech by 38 points in their opener. Like She's a big-time Clemson fan. So I've watched every game of theirs for the last six years. Our first, The first time we met was watching my alma mater against her alma mater, mater Syracuse-Clemson. I actually bet on Clemson and laid 13-and-a-half with Sammy Watkins' team in the Dome. So I've watched a lot of Clemson football over the last six years with her. And I will be honest with you. I am personally, when I don't have a rooting interest, and in this case I do, but even when I don't, I am predisposed to rooting for greatness and rooting for dynasties. I was a child of the 90s in Chicago with the Jordan Bulls. I fell in love with golf with Tiger Woods. I rooted for the Patriots when they were 18 and 0 against the Giants because I wanted to see uh, say that I saw a 19 and 0 team. Like I I root for greatness, I root for dynasty. I don't personally root for parity. And I also personally root for Clemson. So for me, this has been amazing. I have enjoyed this thoroughly. But I don't think it's the best thing for this sport because College football is a regional-based sport, and the SEC has dominated dominated for a long time. And you know, 
15, 16, 17-year-old kids making their decision on where they want to go to college, they more often than not want to go to warm weather, which is why Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin have struggled. And you might say, well, Ohio State hasn't really struggled. Okay. Watch when they get on the same field with Clemson or Bama. They're not the same caliber of team. They can hang with Michigan State and Michigan and Oklahoma, but when they get on the same field with Clemson and Bama, it's just not the same caliber of athlete. And USC has been down for a long time. UCLA has been down for a long time. And so there just isn't another warm weather. Texas has been down for a long time that has really come up and challenged them. And you can't tinker with draft rules like you can in the NBA for a draft lottery or in the NFL. You can't force a 17-year-old kid to go play at Oregon or go play at Texas A&M or go play for Bucky Badger. Like you just you can't do that. So if they want to go compete for national championships, you can go the place where it's regimented and strict and serious and business business-like, and it's been the longest uh, modern dynasty in college football, Alabama. Or you could go to the place where it seems fun in Clemson, and I could see arguments for both. You got an easier path to the playoff at Clemson going through the ACC as opposed to the SEC, but really, those are your two choices. And... I think it makes the sport worse, even though I personally like it better. But I don't see a solution out of this one. But sure, it's cyclical, like our last guest said. And sure, in theory, Texas is on the come and USC could hire another good coach. But Clemson and Bama are juggernauts. Take Clemson, for example. Who is challenging them in the ACC anytime soon? Their toughest ACC game this year is in two weeks at Syracuse. Dino Babers, nice coach. Really good. He's going to leave in a year or two. Florida State, down. Miami, down. Louisville, down. Could Florida State or Miami build a great program? Sure. They could. But right now, Clemson gets the number one recruit from South Carolina, the number one recruit from Georgia, the number one recruit from Florida, and they recruit the whole damn country. Like the gulf between Clemson and the next best program in the ACC is the Atlantic Ocean. It's not the Gulf of Mexico. So they are so far away from seeding that top spot I could honestly see them making the playoffs 10 years in a row. And Bama is the best program in the country not named Clemson. Year one, you got a classic game in the national championship when Bama recovered the onside kick and returned the kick for the touchdown and Clemson had injuries to Shaq Lawson and Mackenzie Alexander on defense. Year two, Deshaun Watson leads the last drive, touchdown to Hunter Renfro, goes to the pros. Year three, they meet in the playoff. 
Clemson is outmatched at quarterback. Kid leaves and transfers to uh, Missouri because Trevor Lawrence comes in, who would have been the number one pick in the NFL draft last year, this year, and next year. Clemson is the best running back and the best quarterback in college football. They're a juggernaut. Alabama's a juggernaut. They're going to meet again for the national championship. And I'm curious whether or not you think that lack of parity makes it worse. It would drive me crazy if I was a Florida State fan or a Wisconsin fan or a Michigan fan or a Miami fan or a Texas fan or a Texas A&M fan or a Penn State fan or an Oregon fan. Good programs. Good history. Good tradition. No shot at a national championship. None. Zero. Zilch. I think it makes the sport worse, even though I personally am enjoying it a lot. I want to hear your reaction on this coming up, 855-212-4227. But I'll also give you the one reason that almost no one talks about as to why Clemson has passed Alabama as the top program in the country. That's coming up next. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. One hour from now, Houston media personality Mike Meltzer will join the show. Plugged in on the Houston Texans. What the hell are they doing? It's a tough question. I imagine he'll have some sort of answer. That's one hour from now. College football is back, and that means CBS Sports Network's team of experts returns to the studio to tackle all the hottest topics on the gridiron. Don't miss Inside College Football Tuesday night at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, only on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. 855-212-4227. Is college football a sport you like with dynasties or with parity? Golf? I like a dynasty. I like a Tiger Woods. The NBA, I like a dynasty. College football, historically, I've liked it spread out a little bit more. But right now, we got dynasties. I personally happen to be cool with it because I root for Clemson. Watch Clemson. But that's because my wife went there. And I'll admit, happy wife, happy life. She's obsessed. So we watch all the games. But it'd be nice if Notre Dame could actually, you know, be competitive instead of getting run off the field by 30 whenever they get on the field against Clemson. Same thing with Ohio State. Bama's got competition in the SEC. We'll see if LSU or Georgia can give them a real run for their money this year. I'm skeptical, but it'd be great. But I'm curious if you like your college football with parity or with dynasties. 855-212-4227. I will tell you the single stat that gets overlooked the most when discussing Clemson v. Bama and why, in my opinion, Clemson has passed Alabama as the best college football team in the country and last year's 44-16 drubbing in the national championship as if that wasn't enough evidence. You want to take a guess? at the number of assistant coaches that have left left Clemson since this run started for them? 15, 16, 17, 18, right? We've seen four Clemson-Bama games. Three in the title game, one in the playoff. They're two and two against each other. If they meet this year, it'll be five years in a row that Clemson and Bama play in the college football playoff. 
You want to take a guess at how many assistant coaches Clemson has had leave since 2015. Ryan Hickey, my executive producer. Do you want to take a guess? I was going to say one. The answer is two. Two coaches in now five seasons, this year being the fifth, since they have been a national championship contender program. That is ridiculous. To compare it to Alabama, Alabama this year, third offensive coordinator in three years, third defensive coordinator in three years. They lose coaches all the time. And it's not because Clemson's coaches aren't great. Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Makes seven figures. Hired Chad Morris. Helped recruit some of the best talent that Clemson's ever had on the offensive side of the ball. Clemson has elite assistant coaches behind Dabo Sweeney, who is more of like the heart and the face of the program than he necessarily is the brains of the program. But they have, somewhat because of luck, somewhat because of resources, somewhat because of how empowered they are. Brent Brent Venables is the associate head coach, for example, on the defensive side of the ball. He has complete autonomy on that side of the ball. And because they're fun, the culture at Clemson is not nearly as professional as it is at Bama. And when I say professional, I mean like NFL-style professional. It's not as rigid. It's looser. It's legitimately more fun. The coaches at Clemson have a great gig. They're not looking to leave. It's not hard to coach under Dabo. It's real hard to coach under Nick Saban. But when you have that much turnover, different ears in these kids, you know, or different voices in these kids' ear all the time, it gets a lot tougher to have any degree of continuity. Coaches who recruit you leave. Maybe leads to an extra transfer, a different system, different terminology. Obviously, Saban is the best college football coach in the game, but he's tough to work for. So think about that for a second. Two coaches total have left Clemson since they've been competing for national championships. Under Nick Saban, three offensive coordinators in three years, three defensive coordinators in three years, not to mention all of the other attrition that's happened on the staff over the last four seasons. That right there is the difference. That right there is what leads to the continuity at Clemson being slightly better than it is at Bama. And then obviously having the better quarterback helps, which is what happened last year. But that's why Clemson has passed Bama as the best program in the country. And that's why they're not going away anytime soon nor is Bama, which means we have no parity, which means we have dynasties. And historically, I haven't loved that for college football. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Salt Lake City and welcome Ed to CBS Sports Radio and Radio.com. What's up, Ed? Hey, greetings from the 801. Hello. Hey, um, I like the, the way things are now because uh, – um, I think it's going to lead to expanded playoffs, and it allows uh, uh, my Utah Utes to be uh, competitive and uh, compete. 
Well, so Utah can compete because Oregon or USC or UCLA is down, so it helps your team more in that conference. I understand that. That's selfishly motivated. Yeah, yeah just like uh, how you uh, uh, cheer for Syracuse and, uh, and Clemson. We're, we're cheering for our own interests here, right? Yeah, absolutely, but I wonder what you think Utah's chances are of actually competing on a higher level. Well, they've beaten Alabama before in the Sugar Bowl. Okay. So I think that um, uh, they, they could do it. It's possible. Um, I love I that type of optimism. Eight, 18 playoffs before that's going to be uh, something that we can even realistically discuss, though. All right, Ed, I appreciate the No, I, pre- I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Listen, rooting for your own self-interest, I, I no, I got no problem with it, right? If it's a, if a, if it's a sport of dynasties and your team isn't one of the dynasties, obviously you're going to feel left out. I don't know that Utah's in that next tier, but by the way, playoff expansion doesn't solve this problem. Clemson and Bama keep getting five, six NFL draft picks every year. There might legitimately be 25 NFL players on Alabama's roster right now. It's insane. I I was looking at this the other day. Um, I'm going to pull this up here. But Clemson NFL draft picks. After they lost um, the, the title in 2017... This draft was crazy. So the um the tw- the 2016 draft, okay? They lost Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd, Mackenzie Alexander, TJ Green, BJ Goodson, DJ Reader, Jaron Curse. Now you might be saying, who the hell are those guys? You should probably know Shaq Lawson. He was a first-round pick of the Bills. Maybe you know Kevin Dodd. He was second-round pick of the Titans. Mackenzie Alexander, second-round pick of the Vikings. But they all left after the year that Clemson lost to Alabama in the national championship. They were all NFL draft picks on defense. They also lost the seventh-round receiver and running back. But regardless, think about that. That is seven players off of a defense that went to the national championship game. And what did they do the next year? They won the national championship. That's what you're dealing with here with these two programs. That you can lose seven players to the pros on one side of the ball and they go back the next year and win a championship. That's how good Clemson and Bama are right now. Mike in South Carolina is on CBS Sports Radio. Mike, thanks for calling. No problem. Yeah, I'm definitely for for parity. Um, one, because I'm a Gamecock fan and I need this Clemson thing to go away. Um, but second, I think it's best for the student-athlete. So depth, but it can be an absolute killer to the, uh, to the next-level dreams of the student-athlete. There's uh, Over the last 10 years, Alabama has put 20% of their guys into the NFL, but that means 80% of the guys that went to Alabama that were some of the best players in the nation coming out of high school ended up not even being able to touch an NFL team while 
37% of the NFL last year was made up of guys that went to non-Power 5 conference schools. So if we had a little more parity, some of these really talented guys would have a better shot at the next level. Um, they would at least get, uh, get a shot to show what they can do instead of just being part of the depth for a national championship team. Well, you know, that, that, is, that is arguable, right? Like that, that makes sense in theory, and I appreciate the call, right? So Missouri just got Kelly Bryant, the kid who was the quarterback when Clemson lost to Bama in the semifinal. Jalen Hurts obviously just balled out for Oklahoma transfer. Uh, Ohio State has a transfer. Hunter Johnson transferred from Clemson because he was in the logjam at quarterback. He goes to Northwestern. So some of these kids do end up needing to transfer because they never get on the field for the powerhouse program. But I think you'd have a really hard time making the argument that powerhouse programs can't compete, can't prepare these guys for the NFL. Like, would you rather be a two-year starter at South Carolina or a one-year starter at Clemson from the state of South Carolina, but you're playing in the college football playoff and national championship games at one school, and you're winning seven, eight games at the other? That's the difference there. Like, his point makes sense in theory, and the transfer portal is confusing, and it sucks that these guys have to sit out a year unless they're graduate transfers like Kelly Bryant was, but... That is a six eggs in one, half a dozen in the other. Because you want to play for the big programs, and if you're a quarterback with big receivers, big program, national TV, the whole thing. People want to weigh in on this, they can. There's a lesson that we're learning by some of the NFL news over the weekend that we should have known before, but it's getting reaffirmed in a big way. I'll explain what it is next. The Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.